This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. All right, so we're going to talk about a simple but very important topic, and that's how to read the Bible. This is to dovetail together with the idea. <laughs> and there's Matt looking at me and grinning like a oh weirdo. So what's so funny, Matt? I... That this is take two. Yes. Of that, in- <laughs> of that intro. <laughs> and we're not going to do take three, so this is our take. All right, go for it. So, uh, intro. One, once again, with a little glimpse into the behind the scenes lack of functioning of faith and fable. You like that? Anyhow, so we're going to talk about how to read the Bible because people make it harder than they should. They struggle with it um, or they read it poorly. And so. Uh, we put this together just simply as a way to help people um, think about what it means to read the Bible. So the first question that I came up with in in this was, why read it? Um, very simple, but yeah. I mean, everyone seems to agree they ought to read it, but I don't know if they really thought about why they ought to read it. And so I've got a few reasons. Uh, I'll start with the first one. Uh, The first reason you want to read it is it reveals God as he is and not as we imagine him to be. Uh, Now that's really simple, Um, but it's the whole purpose of the scripture. It is a revelation of God and we ought to approach it from that perspective. My favorite is out of Exodus 34, uh, verses six and seven. And it's unique because it's one of those places where God is talking here specifically to Moses and God is describing himself. And mm-hmm. and so you're actually hearing God say, this is who I am. And he says that the Lord passed in front of him, him being Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God or Yahweh, Yahweh God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Now, a lot of people like to skip that last part because it's not very pleasant, but there there is a simple declaration of the person of God, that he is very gracious and compassionate, but he is also a just and holy God, mm-hmm. and he deals with people as he as he desires. Uh, you also have a sermon, uh, a passage that you did a whole sermon. Was that your first sermon, Isaiah 6? Mm, no, it was a few in. Really? What was your first one? Uh, Ecclesiastes 12. Oh, oh that that's right. so good. The poetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I liked Isaiah 6 better. That was really good too. Well, one's about death, one's about God, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Hard that's a good choice, point. But choice. you know, Isaiah six is a very uh, sobering passage because there Isaiah is seeing a vision of God in his throne room, mm-hmm. um, and and the nature of seeing God was a terrifying reality, and and. He, he, all he could see was his own sinfulness, that he is a man that's completely undone. And, and if you'll learn to just read the Bible and say, how am I seeing God? Immediately what will happen to people if they're faithful in that is they will find their view of God radically tra- uh, changing because 
they're seeing aspects of him that they never hear sermons on. Uh, very few books are written about because they're not popular, but they're actually the reality of of this is God and this is how he deals with us at times. Yeah. So, Would you say that's the most important way to approach the Bible? Yeah. Is what is this saying about God? Because yeah. it's, it's his self-disclosed revelation of himself, right? Yeah, um, well, and let me, this is actually something we should do a podcast on is the nature of Christ at the center of the scripture and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, because there are some who'd say the most important thing that you want to do when you read the Bible is to see Christ in every passage. And that sounds really nice. Um, and I'm not even going to debate with it too much until we do the podcast. But um, we don't serve just Christ. We serve the triune God. And God in his fullness is revealing himself in the scripture. And so, yes, I would say the first and foremost thing we ought to be thinking about is how do we see God? Um, and then the second point would dovetail into that. But how do we see God and how do we understand God as he is revealing himself? Once you do that, um, the Bible becomes much more interesting, I think, because you're not trying to uh, make it all about you. Right. So it's it's not just a handbook for how to live fruitfully or have an encouraging day. Or yeah, something. we're not T.D. Jakes. <laughs> right. Well, that's how it's often approached. Right. Well, I, I mean, yeah, the vast majority of your sermons. Every time you hear the word, we preach relevant sermons, I already know they're not going to be preaching truly biblical sermons because they're trying to make it relevant to you. Well, I don't really uh, care what you think uh, is relevant. I care about what God yeah. says is relevant. And ironically, <laughs> in the long term, they're not relevant. No. <laughs> so, you know what would be really relevant is to see God high and lifted up yeah. with cherubim going around and around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, yep. Almighty rather. And then and, the people in the pews become undone. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be a, yeah, that would be, that good. would be good. Yeah. So that, that's the first point. The, the second reason to read the Bible is because it reveals um, humanity as we truly are. It reveals you better than you think you know yourself. And so we see this right away in the creation account, of course, um, what man is. Um, and you also see the fall then of man. Uh, we see in countless passages all throughout the Bible the nature of sin and that man is depraved. Um, so what do you mean by depraved? That they are utterly rejecting and hostile to the person of God. Okay, but what about that one portion of them in their inner being that's still good? Dead. They are dead. <laughs> well, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. Well, or it doesn't feel like it's relevant. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. we, we got to know that we're made in God's image, but we also need to know that that doesn't make us little gods. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're sinful beings. What else? Yeah. Well, it also, you know, for the Christian at least, in the many passages about our relationship to Christ, um, we, we begin to understand ourselves then as redeemed people, um, safe in the person of Christ and uh, who we are with relation to this, this holy God. And so go there, meditate on those things and understand who you are. Um, yeah, what, the, the neat thing is the Bible doesn't tell you that you need to uh, do something about those. Those are things that are simply ours. Yeah. Uh, because we're in Christ, because we have, through faith, been brought into that union, we have incredible blessings. And if anyone just wants to save some time and look at a few of them, they can go to Ephesians 1 and read that big, long sentence from 3 down to 14, mm -hmm. and it's just it's full of it. Yeah. Now, another one would be then that we have to understand that the Bible was given so that we can grow with respect to our salvation. 
Um, so why do you read it? You want to read it so that you can grow with respect to your salvation. And that is tightly connected to the other two points we just said. But in 1 Peter 2, this is a favorite passage. I was assigned this uh, in Greek to uh, exegete and bring before the whole class. So I really got to know it well. Um, and it says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, what's important to understand grammatically about that passage is verse 1 needs to be resolved so that you can then long for the pure milk of the word. You're not going to long for it like newborn babes unless you first put, put aside these yeah. things. Mm -hmm. And so I oftentimes will ask people who just don't read their Bible, what is it in that first verse that mm -hmm. you're still clinging to? Yeah. Uh, malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, slander. I mean, have, are you putting these things away? Um and so that's important number, uh, important point to understand. But when you talk to a person who's struggling as a Christian, one question you can ask them is, what salvation means in their mind? And it's very interesting to watch them. Ask them, uh, just describe for me what it means to be in Christ. And it's really sad, but you're going to find that the vast majority of the people you talk to will just give you this blank look or, you know, it's it's... You're saved. You're forgiven. Okay, but what's that mean? Well, and they don't know. They, they, they can't go beyond the most basic description. And what that means is that they're not really reading and growing with respect to their salvation. And the only way you're going to understand this is if you're in the Word. Then you start to understand, man, I was, like you said just a few minutes ago, I, I was depraved. I had nothing good to offer God, and yet he in his mercy saved me and made me alive together with Christ Jesus. You know, this is God, holy, holy, holy. And all of it, and in all of that, he has showed me mercy. It's, it's as you start to grasp how greatly you've been saved that you start to relax. And you realize that you're far more loved and far more safe than you think you are, um, but only through the reading of the Scripture. Um, do you understand it? But because people don't know that, they're they're really just walking around as babies. And because, again, churches are filled with pastors who are preaching relevant sermons, they never give them what they need to know so that they might grow with respect to the, the word. What's another one? Yeah, and then kind of building off that. Um, Notice how everything builds off the other one? Yeah. That's, like that's a sign of a well-written script. You must have written this one then. Humility causes me to not admit it. Well, you wrote Humility a book on that. And didn't how you? I attained it. Yeah. <laughs> Volume two. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, <laughs> the, fourth, the fourth point we have is um, why read the word? Because it in instructs you in the way of holiness. Psalm 119 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to um, thy word. Um, you know, there's not any secret to walking in a, in a God-honoring manner. Um, and yet talking to people, you think yeah. that, that must be. Right. Well, I think about, you know, even Psalm 138, where he says, um, I have exalted my word above my name. Uh, that's your faith. What, that's what I've heard you mention yeah. that a lot of it, times. It's a, it's a profound passage because especially in our day when people are like, well, I don't need your word. I don't, you know, like we need it kind of, but really you need God. Mm. Um, 138 what? 
Psalm 138, verse one. Oh, um, right off the top. Yeah, and so he, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, you people, your 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 third person of the Trinity is the Bible, or, um, or well, whatever, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Holy Bible, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, really? And and so, yeah, you, you know, what you need is the Spirit. You need God Himself. You're too into the book or in, too into the Word. But at the same time, God doesn't talk that way. Um, he 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 has exalted His Word high. And that's not one thirty-eight. What is one thirty-eight? Now I'm desperately triple checking myself. Oh, sorry. Verse two. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, nah. Nah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. Go ahead, because you're, you're making a great point before I was rude. Um, well, now I'm in the, my Bible and not in my thing. Okay. Um, so all that to say, though, is we, there's nothing, there's no secret to walking in a god oriented manner. Um, it's, it's simply learning to read the Bible, understand what it's saying, and then applying it to your your everyday life. This is what God has revealed to us. Um, and so the, the problem though is, is, you know, we're always a lot of times trying to read the Bible to figure out what's the bare minimum we need. What's the bare minimum we need <laughs> yeah. to be holy. Yep. Um, but that is not the right way to approach scripture. Um, the right way is to read the word of God so that in every aspect, it can begin to change your mind, begin to change your thinking and possess you in other words, so that you begin to walk in accordance to the person, nature and character of God. It's it's always interesting when, when as a pastor you're asked to give counsel to a situation, and they tell you what they're thinking of doing, and you're just looking at them. You're like, yeah, that that wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah, but where's it found? What, what Bible verse? And they're already looking for the escape. Yeah, yeah. It's like what what do I got to do to stay out of hell? Right. <laughs> you know, or or not get disciplined by God or whatever, and and you're like you're missing the whole point. You know, you should be asking, how do you keep your ways pure? Well, mm-hmm. it's going to be in accordance to the word. So, it's a good point. Yeah. So, with that, that's enough for anyone. Uh, you got to know God better. The Bible is written so that you understand yourself and humanity. You can look at humans outside of yourself properly. Um, what was the third one? I already forgotten. I'm the one to talk about. Um, grow with respect to our salvation and then also grow with regard to holiness. So yeah. with all of that, um, I've got some practical suggestions on how to read the Bible well. Um, the first one is very simple. Don't read it like a non-Christian would read it, uh, which is actually quite common. Um, we're asking not what is true, but how do we like it? In other words, we're, we're reading it for our own experience. You know, you ask a person, why did you stop reading? Well, what's the normal book that most people stop when they're doing their Bible reading through the Bible through the year that they never make it? Leviticus or Numbers? And why is it that they're always stopping? Because it's boring. And it's like right there, it's already shown you that you've approached your Bible reading wrong. It's got to do with whether I'm being kept happy or excited or intrigued or whatever. It's all about you and your experience. And yeah. that's, that, that's... Forget this. I'm going to a psalm. Yeah. <laughs> I've read enough about blood. It's going to be a psalm today, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, and so we confuse then this emotional experience with an actual encounter with truth. Um, we think that because we were convicted... We see this all the time as a pastor, right? Yeah. Man, that sermon really convicted me. Mm-hmm. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> not, not in any real way because 
you told me that you're telling me this three weeks after I preached the sermon, but you're you yeah. haven't changed any of the things that it convicted you about, and and so we 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 confuse experience and our feelings and our re- reactions to a reception of truth and and taking that truth in. Yeah. Um, the second aspect of reading it like a non Christian would be um, making it all about you, which is very similar. Um, in Psalm one nineteen verse thirty six, that whole psalm is nothing but the glory of the word of God. Um, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Um, David here is admitting he knows his heart and he knows his tendency. And so he is overtly asking God to move in his heart. Um, And, and so he's, he understands, I, I want to read your word for how it makes me feel. And he's like, no, that's not right. So Lord, I need you to change my heart. That would be a great prayer before you start reading through Leviticus. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's who, that's what he's talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, that's he had a the good first, point. That's only the, those first five books of the Bible that yeah. we just view as law, rules, blood sacrifices, temple instruction. But here, these are, incline my heart to understand these testimonies. Yeah, and so... Are we reading and uh, to be seen by others? Are we reading so that we can tell others that we're reading the Bible? Are we doing it so we can show off our knowledge? In other words, again, are we reading the Bible because it's all about us? Um, when we're doing that, we should not be expecting a whole lot of blessing by the uh, by the Spirit. Um, Instagram and then, Bible, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh golly, there are some of the most unholy men and women. What do you mean who, what do you mean by that? I find a verse I like and I post it. No. No, no at a coffee take a shop. Picture of your Bible, of Bible, your Bible coffee cup, and your Starbucks skin uh, journal. Notebook. Yeah. Oh, and a cool oh. picture that you drew of a cross, but and you're just like <laughs> sitting here at the buzz <laughs> meditating on God's word and I'm like no, or not. posting on Instagram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just taking a pause. It's like why don't you just shut up? <laughs> that that's that's not going to go over well in this podcast, but it's like, stop telling everyone. Oh, no, they just read it. Just read it. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, Anyhow, um, good. finally is sorry, we read sorry. it like an unbeliever. No, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, you read it like an unbeliever when you're more interested in anything more than understanding God. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And and that that's a rebuke to us because yeah. we're reading, again, all about us. And God's like, yeah, but it's not about you. Yeah. So... Yeah, you got. I mean, you got to get over that consumer mindset that this well, is going to do something for you. Because our whole, yeah. our whole yeah. society screams Seriously. the opposite. Yeah, but yep. yep. That's um, why it's more, well, so much more important to be doing what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a second one that we would say for practical suggestion is be aware constantly of your need for God's grace in understanding, uh, understanding what the Bible says. David says in Psalm 119 and verse 18, "Open my eyes." that I may behold the wonderful things from your law. And what he means thereby, open my eyes and behold his understanding. Yeah. It's not just, let me see something beautiful or pretty that makes me feel good kind of on the inside. He's talking there about um, coming to a recognition of, of certain truth mm-hmm. and grasping that and then letting it grasp him. Again, something we should be praying. Yeah. Um, you know, often we approach the Bible and assume, we just assume that we're going to understand it rightly uh, on a superficial fly by read of the thing, um, but that's folly. He begins here with prayer and therefore so must we. You know, it's one hard part about making notes in your Bible I've found is that my eyes just automatically go to what I said a year ago. 
And I know it's good to look at that, but and to see where you were, but instead of just looking no, at the passage and like you trying know, to understand what's there, I'm just going based off my wisdom a year ago. My pro- one of my professors actually would buy those cheap Bibles, you know, the kind that you can give out mass. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And he would buy one for every time, and that was his through the Bible reading Bible. Mm. So he would first of all he would choose a subject that he wanted to highlight, so it would be on uh, our sinfulness. And so that, and then he marked that on the cover, and then he would highlight oh, all of that. Yeah, so he, yeah. he, over, he God's had glory, by that time or... he had read it like fifty or sixty times, and he had th- this wall of nothing but Bibles, and each one on the specific subject. That's but it really also cool. helped prevent exactly that. He could each time it was a fresh look. So yeah. that that's that's reasonable. You know, what reminds me. This is a quick thing. I, th- I thought it was really interesting for people that are. Well, if um, we don't find know, it interesting, though. well. I'm going to say it. I'm gonna, the I'm podcast gonna, is really all about you've got us. a microphone. <laughs> I'm going to say it anyways. So, <laughs> um, for people that are like in in business and corporate cultures, you know, like you're really busy all the time and it's hard to find time to do stuff. I was talking with Matt Steele one time, and he says that what he'll do is he'll print out the Bible on paper oh, yeah. and put it in a little binder. So he'll just keep it at his desk where with all your other binders, and like he's like he'll just take times like no one's going to notice that you're doing that, and you can just legitimately. You know, you can read amongst every everything that you're doing, and it well, it came with it be able to take tons of notes, and you can yeah. document, yeah, and have all that reference thing. It's really cool. That's sneaky in a good way. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not Matt Steele is very sneaky. No. Oh gosh. <laughs> sneaky fellow. Matt Steele is you now made it, unemployed. You, and <laughs> you made, Poor Matt Steele. You made it very. Everyone's like, who is this Matt Steele? You made it very clear. Yeah. You know, time wise. Boy, now you're trying to back out. <laughs> no, I am. Matt's just getting deeper and deeper me. there, Mark. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Oh, no. So you also want to understand that the ultimate goal is to properly know God. Again, we're talking about practical ideas. We've already talked about this, but um, let me quote another passage out of Isaiah. He says in Isaiah 8, 12 to 13, you are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he should be he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. I remember preaching like a twelve or fourteen part series on this hmm. passage. No joke. Here? Um, We're not surprised. Yeah, way back in oh. the old days. Um on the fear. Oh, it was when I was actually it's quoted by uh, Peter in first Peter chapter five. Right. I was I, actually when you're reading that, I was just thinking of that, yeah. that passage. And he is talking there that we are not to fear man, but to fear God. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I spent a lot of time talking about what does it look like to fear man and what does it look like then to fear God? And it became this multi, multi, multi part series. But what what good Bible reading will do is it it will reorient your thinking over and over and over again, and it will get everything back into its proper perspective of God at the forefront. In other words, you'll learn to begin to fear God better because you know God better, and you realize that everyone who's writing the latest book on conspiracies and this and that, um, and they're scaring you, and they're and it's all pushing the book sales. It doesn't matter. Um, God is still God. He's still enthroned above. And he still looks at his enemies who are raging at him and laughs at them. And so relax. Um, 
Ephesians 1 is another one. It gives you uh, all kinds of understanding. It's interesting that in Ephesians 1, in this long sentence in verses 3 to 14, three times Paul says the whole purpose uh, of God's redemptive work is not to save you. <laughs> it's not so that he's, uh, I remember a woman, uh, Tammy Faye Baker, way back in the 70s with the PTL mm-hmm. club. She said, God is lonely and he wants a relationship. And so he sent his son to die so that you could be his friend. And I'm I've just like, that. oh my goodness. And so that, 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 that's her gospel message. Um, what does PTL stand for? Praise the Lord. I thought it did. Okay. Oh, this is, he was like one of the original This was like pre, okay. Uh, he, she died. He went to prison. They had an air-conditioned well, yeah, doghouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she, they were something. Anyhow, the point of it is in Ephesians 1, it says, the whole purpose of God's, rede- uh, God's redemptive work is not us. It's to the praise of his glory. Right. Um, that's, that's a point. Mm. And so ask yourself in your reading, how is God's glory on display here? And once you start to do that, you will change much in the way you think about the Bible. And you're going to start to realize his glory is not manifested only in the salvation of sinners, but also in the expression of his wrath yeah. mm-hmm. and the, every other aspect that he he does. Yeah. So. Um, and another goal is to read it with um, 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 in mind. This is... Um, this is a really good text. It's essentially the Bible's own self-understanding of its purpose. Um, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, From childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, For all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. And so if you just dissect that passage alone, there's multiple questions that that you can begin to ask as you approach the scriptures. Um, And so we have seven of them. The first one is, how am I growing in my understanding of salvation? Um, He's clear that that's what the scriptures are. Leading. Yeah. 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 Um, How is my faith in God being strengthened? Uh, What am I learning? How am I being reproved? We just, we like to be encouraged, but... There's also reproof. Yeah, I've spent half my life being reproved. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. what is being corrected in me? Um, And what's interesting is a person who possesses the Spirit of God loves that. I mean, they they love when their their own heart's being exposed and opened up to what the Scripture is saying about them. Another one is, how am I showing the way of holiness? And what good works am I called uh, by God to do? And so that's Scripture's statement of its own purpose. And so if we read the Scriptures in light of those purposes, um, it really opens many things up to you, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're able to post that somehow. Maybe we could make a meme or I don't know. Show notes. Those. Well, we're working oh, on that. that's right. <laughs> show notes. We're, we're, we're working on that. that. What are show notes? Notes. So it's basically Just based notes. on the show. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. In a, in a, a dumb nice... question. You get it. <laughs> it sounds a lot. It sounds so much, so much easier than it is in functionality to do it right now with what we have, but we're well, working on it. All right. Well, maybe someday we'll get them. Um, maybe not. Oh, okay. no, we will. So it's also understand it uses. Oh, this is where it gets boring. Understand that the Bible uses the rules of language because God created language. Right. I think a lot of people have Very. never figured that out, <laughs> that language exists because God made it, and therefore mm. it's orderly. Yeah, but now you're talking work. I know. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that's a, um, loving God with your mind. You want to know how to read your Bible? I can I can say in just a few words. 
learn grammar. Sit your butt down, <laughs> open your Bible, and read. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard, but yeah, you're going to have to know how to read, and mm-hmm. and it's not there's some aspects of it that it's just understand words mean something. And when you put them into a sentence, grammar means something. And it's important. It, it may sound unspiritual, um, but I'll tell you, I'll take a person who is careful with their grammar as they read over any day with a person who feels like they're somehow in tune with the leading of the spirit. I've never heard more heresy. Any from, day. Oh, goodness. Um, it's so important. So what that means is you have to learn grammar. Um, it, 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 in fact, I think is one of the great evils of our school system in America today. Um, and it's been happening over the last several decades where grammar is downplayed and downplayed and downplayed. And now people are being taught to read, not through phonics. And so they, they pick up horrible, horrible habit and it immediately limits their skill in reading. Um, well, what's the the article where you're saying they're now you don't read a whole book? Yeah, you read very a half few a chapter in the public school system. Very few schools now require you to read whole books, especially in the the key to ages yeah. of middle school and yeah. high school. They re, have you read portions and selections, and and so they don't even know how to sit down and discipline themselves to pick up a book from the beginning to the end and follow the whole argument and thought. Through And then you tell them, you need to be, as a Christian, a person reading the Bible. And of course, they're all over the map. They, they don't know what to do. They don't understand the basics of how words work. And it's evil. I, I, I think it's satanic, to be brutally honest. And I, I have no sympathy for it. It's, um, it's something that parents have bought into today where they actually have no shame for the about the fact that their children almost never read and many of them they don't read because their parents don't read and that's because the school system over the many many years has been pushing us away from that and toward a whole different mindset about how we acquire knowledge and so you're just i mean yeah you're told on a web page don't write more than x length of a thing because people's attention span won't follow it and i'm like right. i i get told i can't preach over 30 minutes which i obviously don't care about but cuz people can't follow you i'm like they better learn yeah well that paired with just our the age and technology i mean we're snapchat culture yeah mm-hmm. so even i mean so you know one of the more popular social media platforms now is instagram not even Facebook, because Facebook has words. Yeah. So if you're scrolling, I mean, you're. I mean, let's be honest. If it's more than like a sentence or two, you're just going to keep scrolling. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I don't mm-hmm. even have the time to read two sentences. I'd rather just see a picture. Yeah, it's with true. like a couple words on it. We run into that you when know. we're posting stuff. Instagram Bible reading. Instead of reading the Bible, <laughs> you Instagram that you're reading the Bible, it. and it's the same thing. The same blessings come your way. Yeah. Especially, well, I won't even go there. Um, I'll just tried to not get too much in trouble. But it it's that simple. Um, uh, when I first came to the church as pastor, I sat down with all the men and, in a meeting, and I asked them, just out of curiosity, how many books have you read in the last year? Now, I, you know how much I read, but I, I was expecting one book, maybe. With the exception of one man, no one in that room had read a one whole book in over 10 years. Wow. And I thought, no wonder Holy you guys crap. are messed up. Yeah. 
You guys don't. And so I, I said, well, that's going to change. And I put them on a re- book reading schedule. We actually selected books and I made them read them and then come and talk about it. And mm. it was like, wow, no wonder you don't know it. If you're not going to read, you're in trouble. So at some point you have to understand it's language and how language works. Um, that means you have to know genre, right? Right. What else? So, well, with that one, it's if you have to know genre. You can't approach. Yep. So, what is it? genre? That's a cool sounding word. Genre. <laughs> genre. Or as Carson says, how's he say it? Well, he's got French Canadian, so he'll say <laughs> cool. genre. Isaiah. Dude, I've been watching that that one. That, what's that clip you posted of Carson? How would you grammaticalize it? Listen, don't make fun of that which you don't know. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the one on the... Do, do you, can you quote it? His last thing that he said? Like, it's because of the... Because the... Oh, never mind. We're going to... Oh, stupid. Yeah, forgiveness isn't based on the intensity of the faith yeah. exercised, but on the ground of the blood of the lamb or something like that. Oh, dude. So yeah, oh, that dude. sounds so D.A. Carson. Oh, dude. Yeah. And the, the way the music came out. Oh, so... Mic drop. <laughs> It's yeah. the way he's never reminded me, John. It's the way he said it. Yeah. Genre. Or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the style of writing. Um, so you can't, Give but you, it's it's that. right, though. You can't approach something like the Psalms the same way you would Paul's uh, epistles, where he, he has extended arguments um, in and vice versa. You can't, um, or, or, you know, if you if it's apocalyptic stuff, you have to understand and dealing with, you know, symbolism. Um, or if you're in the Old Testament or... The Gospels or Acts, you're dealing with narrative. You can't approach those the same yeah. as you would prophetic material. And so just understanding that the genre is going to be important. Um, also, learn some basic interpretation skills if you're going to do any kind of real study. I hate to say it, but at some point, if you're going to go beyond just reading the Bible, you're going to really start to tear apart it. You're going to have to learn. Um, and it may sound strange, but if I were to start somewhere to teach somebody, I would start with just Hebrew parallelisms because it would cover all of the Psalms, the Proverbs, mm. and most of the uh, prophets. And a lot of the Gospels. Yeah. yeah. Gospels so mean. quickly, what's a parallelism? I'm going to let you describe it because I'll just make it hard and oh, complex. No, I mean, no, 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 no. I seriously want you to describe it. I, I, I sense this is a punt. Nope. On, uh, on your end. Yeah. Parallel- you just taught on... Proverbs, but if you want me, I can do it. But <laughs> I'll Hebrew do it. parallelism, yeah, it's the way the Hebrews wrote. They typically write in in two lines, three lines, or four lines. Um, so when you're reading through a proverb, for instance, um, if you're trying to um, gain insights from every line, mm. and different insights from every line, you're going to go wrong because they're they're written in in parallels. So the first line parallels right. the second line, and it either expands. Or contrast. Contrast, things like that. Um, a, a, a popular one in my age of growing up, I heard countless sermons on it, was Psalm 1, where, you know, of course, you'd think I pick up one that I have memorized, but I don't. Well, so so let the me man look who it. does not walk in the right. counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Keep on going. Or stand in the way of right, sinners. Right there. And and I heard countless sermons on the progression of sin, different. that each yeah. line means a, a more greater intensity, but the real point is this simple Hebrew parallels. They're synonymous, and what he's saying is, don't walk or be with the wicked. Don't listen to them. That's all he means. Do but it doesn't preach as good there. But once you understand that, it makes sense. Yeah. So you have you, you have to learn that. What else? Yeah. Um. You need to pay attention to the context. 
um, to drop another Carson line. Text without a context is a pretext. That for was a proof his. Text. Yes. <laughs> that was his. Dang. Yeah, I think so. I've heard that yeah. so many times. Yeah. I didn't know that came text from him. Text without a context. Oh, uh, what is that? Can you, can you write that down? For a proof text. A text without a context no, it's probably is probably copywritten. Um, yeah. Well, oh no, I'm going to make a meme out of it. Oh. <laughs> um, understand that right all verse and verses aren't written in vacuums. Um, they're they're. You know, there's a whole context that surrounds them. And so the moment you yank those things out, you've just changed the meaning and the intent of the author. Um, the goal of reading is to think an author's thoughts after them. And so if you rip it out of the context, you're not thinking the author's thoughts after them. And so, I mean, we're, we're guilty of that sin in massive ways. Well, and that's why we're going to actually start doing these little mini, I don't know what they're called, blurbs or podcast-like things where we're going to deal with commonly misused passages and almost always it's the problem is the context so yeah. but that's coming um, when when you read also uh, teaching passages like the epistles you need to slow down um, in the narrative it's telling a story so you can just let the story go along but when you're in a teaching or didactic passage is a fancy term for it like Romans, you need to slow down and really look at the flow and the logic mm -hmm. of the passage, which means you need a good translation. Um, you don't want the New Living Translation or some kind of paraphrase. You you certainly don't want the Passion Translation. You want something like um, the ESV, the New American Standard. That's my favorite. The Net Bible, it's kind of clumsy, but it's an incredibly accurate translation too. Um one more thing? Yeah, uh, little words are usually big words in terms of meaning and understanding. Um, you know, so learn prepositions. Those Have we agreed that we're going to do a preposition podcast and really geek out? We should. We got it. Yeah. It's going to be like a 2 a.m. release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all 70 of you. The can, Philippines uh, will be thankful. Oh, yeah, yeah, they'll be all over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, learn your conjunctions, those connecting terms. Um, learn logical terms like so that which shows things like purpose and result, therefore, which makes logical connections, so on and so forth. So these little words. That They're always make, the important ones. So. That Bibles like the NIV and NLT and so on and so forth love to rip out yep. because it makes for a clumsy read. And yeah. yet that's where all the meanings found. Yep. Well, and yeah, and all the logic and explanation. Um, uh, yeah, so. we'll do that another day. And then finally, look for commands. Um it, especially in the epistles, just look for the command because it controls the passage, yeah. and, and it's always the main point. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 do it. You know, go. That's my command to them. Go find a command. <laughs> you're, you, you'll be better for it. So, let, I I've, I have a couple of final thoughts that I just wanted to give, um, and it may sound strange at first, but bear with me. In Proverbs twenty six fifteen. Um, it's a great word picture. He says, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is weary of bringing it to his mouth again. So you got this guy who is so lazy. In fact, mm -hmm. I saw a guy like this the other day, and you know he lives in the basement of his parents. He has to. We see a lot of guys like We that. see a lot of that. Yeah, we're cranking them out like crazy. Anyhow, he just was, he was a slovenly man in every way, and you got the sense that eating was almost too hard for him. And that's the picture. It's just, he puts his hand and he can't even get it to his mouth. Um, now take that and apply it to Bible reading. Yeah. Make the dish, um, which is a dish of food, but make it 
the Word of God. It's good, it's necessary, and, and you need to partake of it. But think about how often people have the Word of God sitting in the same room or on their phone, and they think about reading it. I actually know this for a fact, that they thought about reading it, but, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so this, I'm so that. And so they never actually get around to picking it up and reading it. Um, That is the essence of what this proverb is describing of the sluggard. The real problem has nothing to do with you and your um, lack of understanding, Honestly, it most of the time comes down to the individual who's just being lazy. Um, a slugger will harm himself. He'll starve himself, actually, out of his laziness. Uh, a lazy Christian harms himself by thinking about reading the Bible, planning on reading the Bible, but never actually doing it because he's too busy, too tired, or whatever. And so the, the last part, then, is another proverb, that, and that's the next verse. It's, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. I've been doing this a lot longer than you, but I already know because I talk with you almost every few days that you have seen this too. Um, a lazy reader, a lazy Bible reader is often a person who also thinks that they're for, far more wiser in the things of God than they really are. Have you ever, you've encountered that, right? Where you've tried to talk to a person, just speak wisdom into their life, the word of God, and you can look at their eyes and you already know that they're already writing you off. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, thanks, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll pray about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't need to pray about it. It's right there in the Bible. God's already told you what to do. Uh-huh, thanks. Well, I got to go, past, and And that's the mindset. Uh, this is a person then who has many, many opinions on theology, and they think they know the Bible. They think they have a lot to contribute, but in reality, they don't because they're not even defined or confined, confined by the word. We'll, we'll see it in Bible studies, right? You'll throw out a question, or a person will ask you a question, you'll answer. I remember one guy that came to our, one of my Bible studies. He was just visiting from another church in the town, and uh, I answered it. And after I was done answering, answered it well, he's like, uh, I, I think I could help out there too. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't. And he then rambled on about something. And when he was all done, I said, I hate to tell you this, but almost every word you just said, I disagree with. And then it got kind of ugly there. But it's like they just assume they know some, something, but they're not actually in the word. So um, don't be a slugger. Pick up your Bible. Stop making excuses. Sit down and read it. But use the things that we recommended, the things and the rationale and the arguments that we made to maybe help motivate them to understand that the Bible is not some mysterious uh, object. God wants us to understand it, but we also need to understand that we need him to help us to understand it. Anything else you'd add? No. Well, I would say also you have to know there's a battle going on when you're too lazy and you don't want to pick up your Bible. I mean, that's some serious temptation right there to keep you away from communing with God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. But the first and foremost battle is going to be within your own flesh. Right. And then Satan will just, all Satan will do is give you all of the rational reasons or rationale and reasons for you to not do it, right. um, but it's really your own flesh, right? It, you, you've you've accepted. It's just like any sin. 
yeah, I'm really struggling with pornography. You're not struggling with pornography. Mm. That's not your problem. Your problem is that you're way too friendly with it. Um, You're not struggling with reading your Bible. You're struggling with something, but it's not reading your Bible because you're not reading your Bible. Um, It really comes down to our flesh, which, again, the Bible will expose who you are, and then it will expose who God is, and it will show you how much you need to rely on Him. But bottom line, for a a man or woman to grow into in, in Christ, they're going to have to be in the Word consistently. And uh, in fact, we were just talking about elders and that we would expect anyone who wants to be an elder to have at least read through the Bible more than once, right? I mean, oh, yeah. they just got to. It's like you, you if you think you can shepherd God's people and have never actually sat down and disciplined yourself to read all the way through, you're not ready yet. You're just not ready yet. Thank you.